It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Life can present an enormous amount of crisis. And, you know, in these crises of life, many times the unspoken sentiment is, well, why didn't God do something? Alan and I were at a funeral. Someone in our family had passed away, and it was pretty, pretty tragic, the, the very, you know, atmosphere of it. Nobody actually got up and said it, but you could sense it in the air. Uh, this individual, uh, 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 when was it? April, Alan, was, seemed to be fine and good health, and August, they're burying them. I mean, just that quick, boom. And you could, you know, the, the, the person was saved, uh, you know, the, the minister that was conducting the service talked about how they had received Jesus as a nine-year-old child. And, and then, but, you know, the, the un, unspoken sentiment in the, in the air, you could, it's, it's there every time. Why didn't God do something about this? Well, he can't. People are like, oh, my God, then we're hopeless. No, 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 no. You, that's, that's why you're here, learning these things. God's already done all he can do. Now, let me say that again. God's not already done all he's going to do. He's already done all he can do in our dispensation. And it is our responsibility to take the power and the anointing and the goodness of the word of God and this subject that we're studying, the authority of the believer, and do something about these things or else it won't get done. My mind goes back all the time to the, uh, to the because uh, I heard the testimony when it was given by the minister in whom it happened to. Uh, a particular uh, minister, was, it was actually at Lakewood Church that it happened many years ago, was up talking about teaching in a faith seminar and a woman coming up. And her husband had died with, ca- with cancer. Cancer had killed her husband. And, 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 and she was all distraught about, why didn't God do something about that? Now, he had been teaching on faith and applying the Word of God to situations in life. And, and, and she had some questions. She wanted some questions answered. And so she came up and began to talk to this minister and began to, you know, tell him the story of her husband. And, and they went to a church that believed in the power of God and believed in the, in the life of God. But they just didn't have a lot of light on the subject, didn't have a lot of information on the subject. And how uh, she, the, the woman, as she told the story, she said the pastor prayed for him. Every evangelist that came through the church prayed for him. Everyone, uh, you know, the missionaries that came, they prayed for him. He was a good man in the church, but he, he died. Why did he die? And so inspired by the Holy Ghost, this minister looked at her and said, did anybody ever talk to the cancer? And she looked at him with this puzzled look on her face and said, what? And she said, of all the people that prayed, of all the people that ministered, did anybody ever stop, quit talking to God, and talk to the cancer? She stood there for a minute, and she said, no. They all asked God to heal her, heal him. Every one of them that prayed said, God, you know, she said, the pastor prayed the most eloquent prayer, laid hands upon him and went to God and said, God, this man is a tither and an offer in our church. This man supports missions. This man does this. Could you somehow, some way, please bring him? He said, he died. Lack of information. So the point was somebody should have said something to the cancer. You say, now, now, now you, you really believe that by speaking to cancer, diabetes, arthritis, bankruptcy, depression, you really believe by speaking? How do you think they got there? Now, come on, church. How do you think they got there? They got there through speaking, through words. Now, I know that there's a, a process that takes place and things like that. But, you know, words are spoken. Diagnoses are made. Words are, things are accepted. You say, well, what if you were diagnosed with something? I wouldn't accept it. What if it killed you? I wouldn't accept it to my last breath. I would reject it on my dying breath. I'd reject it and, and shout and say, Jesus is the healer. You say, now why would you do that? Because that's the covenant we have. It's not the covenant of God coming down and doing something. It's us finding out what he's already done and us rising up in that covenant and doing it the way God says to do it. And if we'll do that, then we'll get his results. Amen. Now listen, I don't care what the disease, what the sickness, the infirmity, the financial situation, it does not matter. You have authority as a believer to change it. 
I think that's one of our problems. We exhaust our prayer life, crying out to God to change the situation. Lord, change this. Change this sickness and disease. Lord, change this problem in my marriage. Change this problem in my finances. Lord, I need you to change. And God says, I'm not going to do it. What I'm going to do is empower you, and you're going to change it. And you say, well, I, I just don't see it like that. Well, then you need to read the Bible. Because when Jesus was on the earth, now listen to me, this is a good example. When Jesus is on the earth, he did not operate as a God on the earth. If he did, we have no hope. If he was God operating as God upon the earth, we have no hope. You say, what do you mean? Then he'd have to show up here in bodily form for anybody to get anything from God. But he was not operating as God upon the earth. He was operating as a man upon the earth in a correct relationship to his God. He was a man without the tainted spirit of Adam's fallen race. Should have got a good shout on that when you say why. Because you are now a person not tainted by the effects of Adam's fallen race. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Secondly, he was anointed. Say so he was anointed. He was anointed by the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 3, the Spirit of God came down upon him in bodily form as a dove and lit upon him. John saw that happen, and from then on, he flowed in the supernatural. You're anointed. I'm telling you, if the power of God has come upon you, if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, not only do you have an anointing on the inside to guide you into the reality of the Word of God, now you've got a power upon you that supersedes any power of the adversary anywhere in the earth. Anywhere, no matter where it is, no matter what you do. See, the problem is we don't live in the reality of that. We live, we live in the reality of the trauma, of the pressure of the situation. But you don't have to do that any longer. You can make a decision, I'm going to rise up in faith. I'm going to live by what the Word of God says. And you know, I, man, I, I, I guess I've had more flack on that in my ministry in 33 years than anything else. In Bible, when I was about top, uh, 13 years full-time in Bible school, and I was accused, one of, my, one of my students actually came to me and said, you just don't live in reality. <laughs> well, I live in a reality. I said, I live in a reality. I'm not going to live in the reality of defeat. I'm not going to live in the reality of depression. I'm not going to live in the reality of sin. You say, well, what if they come into your reality? I'm going to resist. I'm going to actively oppose anything that comes into my reality. Amen. You say, what is your reality? My reality is healing. My reality is health. My reality is prosperity. My reality is joy. My reality is peace. My reality is righteousness. My reality is success. Amen. Come on, church. And if anything encroaches into that reality, I'm going to rise up in the authority that I have as a believer. You say, what do you mean? Not the authority I have as a pastor. Not the authority as I have as an, as an international minister. Not the authority as I have as a, as a, uh, of a conference speaker. No, as an authority that I have as a believer. As a believer. And I'm going to resist. I'm going to actively oppose that which is trying to encroach into my reality. My reality is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you ought to come live at our house a couple of days. If you're down a little bit, our parrot will start laughing. We got a parrot that laughs just like me, and that's just like Leah. And we'll have some serious moment in our home, and the parrot will go, ha, 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 And it just breaks all, you know, we're just like laughing, now just laughing from then on. It took us a while to build that. We didn't get it overnight. But what we continued to do was learn and be teachable. Secondly, applied what we learned. Thirdly, we create the atmosphere of our home. We create the atmosphere of our ministry. We create the atmosphere of our finances. We create the atmosphere of our house by what we say. And we say what God says because God backs up what we say when we say what he says. That simple. John 14. Let's look here for a moment. John chapter 14. Now, Jesus, how can I say this? He's kind of pulling back the veil of time and he's speaking into our future. He's seeing in the future men and women with the same anointing and same power upon him 
men and women with the same anointing and power that was upon him, upon these men and women. He's seeing us. He's seeing us. And he wants to give us a mandate. He wants to give us a protocol on how to operate. I mean, being Jesus, he, he, he's, I like to say it like this. He's leaving us our legacy. He's, he's literally proclaiming our legacy. He will not be here bodily upon the earth, but he will reproduce himself in all of the whosoevers that will call upon his name. A reproduction will take place. Now, let me say this. When it comes to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, Jesus had that spirit without measure. We have it by measure. Amen. And people right off the bat say, well, that's why he had all the signs and wonders and miracles. Let me tell you something, church. There are people on the earth, living on the earth today, that have had many more signs and wonders and miracles than Jesus did. We'll have one here, we'll have one here uh, uh, a Sunday morning of our fall har uh, harvest conference, Christopher Alon. We were just with him in a conference, and he began to tell different stories of things that go. But in his, in his crusades, many times in his crusades, hundreds of people, blind, deaf, dumb, crippled. He told the testimony of a man that got raised from the dead in his crusade. Raised from the dead in his crusade. I mean, he, I mean many more, many more. And in one year, just in one year, he had over 1.2 million saved. I believe he's reproducing something. We could give you testimonies of people that's been healed in our ministry, have been healed in this church, reproducing that which is of God. Now, let me say this. When it comes to the spirit by measure, we all have our measure. But when we come together, there's a fullness of that measure. But let me say this. This might help some of you today. There has no, in no way has the authority of what we have been relinquished. You say, what do you mean by that? We've all got that same authority. Amen. We've got that same authority, Jesus. You say, well, you say we don't have the same power. No, he had it without measure. We have our own measure, but we have his authority. Yeah. I said, we have his authority, his right to do it, his mandate to do it. Go out and do it. Yeah. Run the devil out of your life. Run cancer out of your life. Run arthritis out of your life. Run diabetes out. Do it. You've got to do it. If you don't do it, it won't get done. So I'm waiting for Christopher Allen to come and pray for me. He's not going to do it. You say, why? It's in a certain setting that those things take place. And that's in those large crusades in India and in Africa where there's thousands and thousands of people that don't know anything. They're desperate for God. What does God do? We just sang about it. He's a good God. He's a good God, and he shows up in his goodness, and he shows up in his mercy, and he, he literally heals in mass and blesses his mass, but then he places churches like this all over the world as light and life, as beacons of his goodness so that we can go out and do the works of Jesus. That means when sick people come in, we pray for them, and we speak to the sickness and disease just like Jesus did. Now notice, very, there in verse 12, the gospel of John chapter 14, Jesus said, verily, verily. Now, let me just stop right there. To, to say verily, verily, we go by that so many times without recognizing what that's really saying. Uh, in court, they have you uh, say a phrase where you lay your hand on your Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And you say, I do. So hopefully you don't lie, amen. Uh, there's been people that's tried to lie under that oath and hadn't been able to do it. I know, I know a particular testimony of an individual. He had all his lies in a row. He said, I went down, put my hand on the Bible, made that confession. He said, when I sat down, it just came out of me. I told everything. He said, I had planned to tell just the opposite. It all came out of me. <laughs> Amen. Well, this is kind of, this is Jesus saying, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Now, here is a qualification phrase. Everybody say qualification. He that believeth on me. Not he that is an apostle. Not he that is a pastor. Not he that is an evangelist. Not he that is a teacher. Not he that is some special chosen vessel. But just he that what? Well, that qualifies us all. He that believeth on me. Now notice this. The works that I do shall he do also. Well, let's just think about the works of Jesus for a moment. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost of power who went about doing good. He did good stuff. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Listen, you can, you can pray for your neighbor. You can pray for that person. It's amazing how willing people are to be prayed for when they're in the crisis of life. 
how unwilling they are to come to church with you, how unwilling they are to take your, you know, the, the, the track you want to give them or the Bible you bought them. But honey, when the doctor has diagnosed Amen. or when the bankruptcy court has declared or the divorce court is coming, come on, it's amazing how willing people are to receive prayer. Boy, that's your opportunity. That's your opportunity to step into the, into the authority of Jesus, the authority of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, and to just be Jesus right down here on the earth. Amen. 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 <laughs> there was a guy, he was playing, uh, playing Jesus in a, uh, 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 what do they call him, a, a cantata? Catata? What do you, you know, an Easter, a cantata, an Easter, he was playing Jesus in it. And so the pastor was talking about, you know, the, 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 the person that was doing uh, that, that their wife made this comment. Well, he just go around acting like Jesus all the time. <laughs> so it inspired, the pastor was uh, Gloria Fajardo down in, in Corpus Christi. The pastor got up and preached a message called going around being like Jesus all the time. Just going around being like Jesus all the time. You say, when there's sick people, you pray for them. When there's depressed people, you get them delivered. When there's, when there's people that are, uh, that are discouraged, you encourage them. You say, now how can you do that? How can you even think? Oh, to even think that you could do anything that even, would even compare to Jesus. Jesus said, the works that I do, you should do also if you believe in me. It's right here in red in my Bible. But then he says this. The works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works. Now, see, here, here's people. Well, the greater works were salvation. I agree. Nobody got saved under the ministry of the Lord Jesus except those disciples that were there in John 20 when he breathed on them. And I agree. The new birth is the greatest miracle. But then he said this, the works that I'm doing, you're going to do also. That means in every area of life, in every endeavor that we're doing, we ought to include the ability, the authority, and the power of God in it. And if we will do that, we will not get natural results. We will get supernatural results. Now, notice this. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, put your finger there and just turn a page over. It should be just a page or two. Chapter 16. Chapter 16, and then we'll go right back to, to, to uh, chapter 14. Now notice chapter 16, verse 23 says, In that day you shall ask me nothing. Now just to kind of skip over the phrase, and in that day, that's this day. He was speaking of another day than the day he was in. The day he was in would be changed by his finished work. His death, burial, and resurrection, and seated at the right, it changed the day. You say, what do you mean it changed the day? It changed the dispensation in which we live. It changed it. Amen? So he says in that day, speaking of the day we live in, you shall ask me nothing. Now this is Jesus. Don't ask me nothing. Don't ask me anything. Verily, verily, or I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it. He will give it you. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now, this is talking about your personal prayer life. Amen? You need something from God, ask Him. Ask the Lord. Ask Him for whatever your needs may be financially. Ask Him for whatever it is uh, that's you know, uh, 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 has to do with the plan or the will of God for your life. Ask Him about His... All of these things are, are, are encompassed... In prayer, as you don't ask Jesus, you ask the Father in his name. This is called the prayer of petition. Everybody say petition. petition. Say it again, petition. petition. Now, back to chapter 14. He says, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Well, that sounds like contradicting scriptures. Now, it says in one scripture you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. In the other scripture it says, don't ask me anything. Ask the Father in my name, and he will do it. So if you look at that in the natural, you think, that, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Jesus is talking about two different things. Here in chapter 14, that is not the word petition or to make a request of. That's the word demand. Now we're talking about the authority of the believer. Everybody say authority. This is where your authority 
is exercised. Now listen to it again. Whatsoever, now let's use the word demand. You shall demand in my name. That will I do. You can say like, that will I back up. That will I make sure it gets done. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you demand anything in my name, I'll do it. Now you don't go to God demanding. God, I demand you. I demand you. No, this is made to be released down here in the natural realm where things need resistance and overcoming. Now, refer back to the, the, the testimony that we gave at the first of the, when I first started teaching about the lady who lost her husband to cancer and the question was asked, did you ever talk to the cancer? Did you ever say anything to the cancer? Now, we practice that here continually. When people come up for prayer, whether it's for cancer, arthritis, or just the common cold, we don't, this is how we do not pray. Let me say that again. This is how we do not pray. Oh, Lord God, in your eternal goodness and sovereignty, we ask you in the name of Jesus to somehow, someway, touch our beleaguered brother or sister with your healing power. Now, it sounds religious, It sounds religious. It sounds pious. But you're going to die. I mean, mean, if it's up to God, you say, well, there's not a lick of faith in there. We're trying to get God to do something he's already done. Instead of taking the law of the spirit of life in Christ and enforcing it against the law of sin and death. Honey, you come up here and cancer's attacked, invaded your body. We're going to speak to that cancer. We're going to say in the name of Jesus, we demand you. We command you to get out of this person's body. You come up here with arthritis. We're going to say in the name of Jesus, we command you. We demand you in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off this child of God. You say, well, that's awful bold of you. You've got to be bold. You've got to be bold in the knowledge that you have. And people perish for the lack of knowledge. Ignorance of the word of God has caused many Christians to go home to heaven before their time. But we've got to be bold with it. Jesus is the one that commands us to do this. He said in in, in, in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, he said, have faith in God. The true Greek says it like this, have the God kind of faith. Now, he says it like this, verse 23. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in their heart, but believe those things which they say as to come to pass, they shall have whatsoever they say. Now, this is a spiritual principle that works across the board. Everybody say across the board. You say, what do you mean? It, wor- it doesn't work because you are a Christian. It works because you're a human. Amen. Oh, we, we used, who was it, the, the, the basketball player, uh, Michael Jordan. That, it, it so impressed me when I watched his biography. How he wasn't the biggest, the brightest, and the best. But he just kept saying it. He would not be to seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Didn't start on his high school basketball team till late in his junior year and then into his senior year at North Carolina. Really didn't begin to bloom till his senior year. But he just kept, I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA. I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA. I'm going to be, what was he doing? He was using his words and his heart to convince who? Himself. And what did he become? He became exactly what he believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth. Now, let me say that again. He became exactly what he believed. There were men with more talent, men with more ability, but they didn't have any faith in themselves. That's just human faith. That's just human faith. And if you can become the greatest player in the NBA on human faith, what about taking God's word, getting it in your heart, speaking it to the mountains of your life, removing them and going on into the blessings of God? That's the authority that God's talking about. Mountains can represent anything in your life that keeps you from what God has for you. I like what one preacher said. I thought it was so good. He said, if you knew what was behind your mountain, you'd remove it. But the second point is this. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. Amen? I mean, I've watched people over the years. I remember when I was in Bible school, there was a lady that had, uh, what was the, what's this, the, the stuff that, that, that raised money? Jerry's kids? MS, multiple sclerosis. She had that and believed she was glorifying God. She was a nun. 
Spirit-filled nun. And her confession all the time was, I have, I've got, I'm glorified. And you know, that thing killed her real quick. Now, let me, let me help you. She gave it permission through her words. You either, you either give permission or you deny permission with your faith and with your words to every negative thing that comes at you from the devil. A lot of times we suffer the way we do because we give it permission. We just allow it to come in. It beats the tar out of us. Then we want to run to church and have the pastor pray for us. Well, thank God we'll pray for you. But in reality, the real thing that you need to do is rise up in your own faith and speak to your mountain. Do something about it. Now, if you go study, a good study is to study Mark chapter 11 and go over to 1 Samuel 17. The story that universally crosses all religious boundaries. The Muslims know about it. The Hindus know about it. The Buddhists know about it. Everybody knows about the little shepherd boy that killed the giant. Come on, church. A little shepherd. That's, listen, that's not a fairy tale. That's not a fable. That's not mythology. One day in the history of the nation of Israel, a little shepherd boy killed a great big giant. 1 Samuel 17 tells you all about it. Now, as the, as the confrontation comes to a conclusion, the giant gets up angry that they sent a shepherd boy out. You ought to go study why they sent him out. The reason they sent the shepherd boy out is because he didn't talk like everybody else. He didn't talk defeat. He didn't talk death. He, did, he didn't talk. He talked his covenant. He called him an uncircumcised. How dare this uncircumcised? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He was walking in the authority of his own covenant. He was actually walking. If you really want to get right down to it, he was walking in the authority of Abraham's covenant. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. And so he goes out. Saul, the king, gives the, the, the authority of a nation to a 17-year-old boy, shepherd boy. No big shield, no big sword, no, no, great, no great military experience. He walks out and it makes this giant mad. And the Bible says he disdained him. For he was a youth, ruddy of complexion. And he, he began to curse David. The Bible says there in 1 Samuel 7, he began to curse David by his gods. He said, am I a dog that you come after me with staves and sticks? But you know who ain't got the last word was David. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and whom I trust and whom I serve. Then David said, now listen to this. Then David said, this day will I give your carcass and all the carcasses of the host of the Philistine to the fowls of the air and to the animals of the field so that everybody knows there's God in Israel. Now people say, well, did he have a special word from God? No. Do you have a special visitation from an angel? No. He knew his covenant and he knew the authority of it. And when that giant got up and cursed David by his gods, David said, you just committed suicide. Because I'm in a covenant with almighty God that says I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. I can kill you with a water gun. And what happened? Exactly what he said happened. That was his mountain. His giant was his mountain. Listen, whatever it is that you're fighting, if you're fighting a disease, it must hear your voice. It's good for it to hear the pastor's voice. It's good for it to hear the evangelist's voice. But it must hear your voice. A voice of denial in the name of Jesus. You cannot live in my body. You cannot exist in my body. You cannot be in my marriage. You cannot be in my children. You have to do it over and over and over and over and over and over till Jesus steps in and enforces that by the power of his spirit. He will say, how long do I have to do it? Till you don't have to do it anymore. But you've got to have a fire on the inside of you. You've got to have a boldness. You've got to have a want to that's bigger than just to roll over and die. Too many people do that. Our pastor, when I was in Bible school, our pastor's wife had just gotten over uh, metastatic cancer of the liver. They gave her a diagnosis and gave her six months to live. I just said, we don't care if you take chemo or not. You'll be dead in six months. 
fastest growing type of cancer. Well, they went, they laid on the floor of their bedroom. Brother Osteen cursed that cancer in his wife. She accepted that and she wrote that, what is it, 167 scriptures. She still says to this day. And then the fight started. And it was a year, see a lot of people think, well, they just prayed and she got healed. Honey, that ain't what happened. You read her book, Healed of Cancer. Honey, that fight started and she every day would get up and say those scriptures. And every day she would speak to that cancer. And every day she would rejoice that she was healed. And every day, no matter how weak she was, she would act like she was healed. And she said, there were days when I had to vacuum my, my living room and it took me eight hours to vacuum my living room. I was so weak. And there were times where I would lay in bed and the blood would flow out of my body and it looked like I was going to die and we would stand up and we would declare, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Cancer can't live in my body in the name of Jesus. And Pastor Doty is still alive today. And people say, well, that only worked for her because she's a pastor. Like, No, it worked because she's a believer. Because other pastors of just as big of churches have died because they didn't exercise these principles. But if you'll make a decision, I'm going to live with this. I ain't, I ain't having this in my body. I ain't having this in my mind. I'm not, having this, I'm not having this in my life. I'm not having it in my marriage. I'm not having it in my business. And you rise up and you take authority, then all of a sudden, the works that I do which are what? Supernatural. Supernatural in origin and supernatural in application. The works that I do, will you do also. There's some things, some of you, I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, some of you, there's some things you're just going to have to demand them to leave. You have to demand them to get out of your body, to get out of your mind, to get out of your family, to get out of your finance. Why do you think, why do we, every, every time we take an offering, what do we say? Devil! Get your hands off of my fine. Some of you haven't got that yet. That's why you're still struggling financially. But if you'll let it get off the screen and into your heart and into your mouth, and then every time it looks like you're having a problem with your finances, you say, devil, get your hands off of my finances, you're going to start experiencing some blessing. Amen? Now, how's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Now, real quick. Verse, verse 50, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Everybody say, dwelleth with you. Say, dwelleth with you. Say, dwelleth with you. And shall be in you, or shall be in me. Now, for the past two weeks, we've studied this. Now, notice, directly upon Jesus talking about doing the works of God, operating the supernatural, and making demands, he starts teaching on the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Now, let me help you. The Holy Spirit is always referred to as the Holy Spirit when it's, refer when it's referencing the person. It's called the Holy Ghost when it references activity. Are you with me? So when it references activity, it's talking about the Holy Ghost. When it's, you say, well, is it two different things? No, it's all the same thing. Amen? It's like an individual going by a name. Say, 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 say there's a, 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 a football player, Don Meredith. That comes to my mind. That kind of dates me there. How many know who Don Meredith was? <laughs> Four people. <laughs> Glory to God. Maybe there's a more, a more famous, more famous. Anyway, he was a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. But he could be Don Meredith quarterback. Amen. That's Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Who he is, what he does. You got it? Now, immediately upon this release of authority, this, this mandate to speak to things, to, to demand according to the word of God in the name of Jesus, and we're going to start studying that next week, the name of Jesus. He starts teaching on the Holy Ghost. And he says, I'm going to give you another comforter by saying another. Now, that means we have more than one. If, I, if you have a dollar and I give you another dollar, how many do you have? You got two. Now, Jesus, the Word of God, is the consummate comforter. Amen. Then the Holy Ghost comes and enforces that which the Word of God is. He's another comforter. Everybody say another comforter. Now, in this scripture, it's, it, you got to kind of go to the Amplified because the Amplified is a little closer to the Greek. 
The Amplified amplifies it. Let me read it. Verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. But now notice this. Comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Now, this is the sevenfold working of the Holy Ghost to enforce the authority of God in you and to help you live as the person that God's called you to be, as God's child. First of all, comforter. Everybody say comforter. Now, I think many times we, we, we kind of set the Holy Ghost off in a corner, and that's the only thing we really ever adhere to. Well, he's the comforter. And, you know, when somebody passes away, well, we need comfort. But there's a whole lot more to comfort than that. Amen. Have you ever flown a long distance in the cattle car? You know what the cattle car, that's coach. Like, like more than 10 hours. Remember that flight on Philippine Airlines? 14 hours. We needed some comfort. <laughs> Amen. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost knew Miss Leah needed some comfort. We landed in Manila, and we still had four and a half hours to get to Hong Kong. And thank God, they came in and took us. It was a, a stewardess that looked at Leah and said, Honey, you need to be in first class. <laughs> and she took us up and put us in first class. And I'm telling you, we put those chairs all the way back, and we put covers up over our head. We said, Don't bother us till we get to, and we were comforted. Amen. You say, well, what point are you trying to... There are times in your life when you need comfort. When a situation is so irritable. Where you're so irritated in a situation that the Spirit of God needs to bring some comfort into that situation. We just don't relegate this to the funeral home. Many areas of our life, we need the comfort of the Spirit of God. And we need to, now listen to this, we need to call on the Spirit of God to be our comforter because the Holy Ghost is the consummate gentleman. He does, not, he does not encroach into your life without invitation. There are times you say, man, I need your comfort. I'm calling on the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I need you to comfort me. Now notice this, comforter, counselor. Everybody say counselor. Well, I'm telling you, thank God for good counsel. Thank God for good pastoral counseling. Thank God for good educational counseling. But I'm telling you, there is counsel from the Word of God that if you will allow the Holy Ghost to take you into the Word of God and begin to reveal unto you line upon line, precept upon precept, by depositing revelation into your heart, not just information, but taking that information and turning it into revelation. Because that which is revelation, you'll never let go of. I can always tell when people don't have a revelation. They'll, they'll, they'll rejoice about something. They'll be happy about it. Oh, yeah, 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 God says, God says. But as soon as the pressure gets put on, soon as persecution or affliction arises for the word's sake, they're offended. But I tell you, if it's a revelation, you don't care what happens. You don't care what situation rises up. You don't care what the doctors, the bankers, the lawyers, you don't care what anybody says. You don't care what any expert says. You've got a revelation. Most of you don't realize how strong that revelation is. But if I got up here and said, well, I found a scripture in the Bible. None of y'all are going to heaven. I, I'm so sorry, but I found this scripture. And, you know, it's way back here, stuck away in the Old Testament somewhere. And I just get up and start teaching for an hour on how you're not going to go. Everyone, you walk out and say, I ain't, boy, that sucker don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to heaven. I, he can talk all day, all day long. He can say anything he wants to. He can jump up and down. He can, he can have angels appear. He can have all this kind. I don't care. I'm going to heaven. Amen. Why, would you be, why would you do that? Because there's been a lot of stuff come against many of you to challenge your salvation. Come on. But you ain't let go of that salvation. You say, why? Well, it's a revelation in you. Well, the things of the Spirit need to become a revelation as the Holy Ghost counsels your heart when it comes to the things of the Word of God. He'll take, I like to say it like this, He'll take the written Word and turn it to the living Word on the inside of you. He'll take the water of the Word of God and turn it into the wine that you come under the influence of. Because you can always tell a person's level of re revelation, that's what they're walking in. So I don't believe in tithing and offering. You don't have any revelation. I don't believe that prosperity message. No, you don't. You don't have any revelation. But once it becomes a revelation to you, you'll give your last nickel and laugh about it. Amen. I know we've done it. We've done it. Gave our last nickel and laughed about it. And then what? A day later, had thousands of dollars 
from a totally unexpected place. You say, why did it work? It's a revelation. Everybody say, counselor. Helper. Everybody say, help me. You ever needed help? A lot of people, why do we always wait till we're down, out, on our back, can't hardly breathe, and then we cry out for help? Like one guy said in some crisis, you know, we ought to pray. And some guy said, has it come to that? No, you ought to ask for help all the time. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk in the authority of the Word and the power of the name of Jesus. Some of you just need help. Everybody say, help. You ought to say, Holy Ghost, I need help. I need help in this situation. I need help to get through it. I need help to get out of it. I need revelation. I need help. Counsel me. Comfort me. Help me. Mm-mm-mm. Intercessor. Everybody say intercessor. Now listen, I know there are people with ministry of intercession that pray. I believe I walk in that. I pray a lot. I'm actually building a prayer room at my house. You say, why? So I can pray more. But listen, we're all called to intercede. That means to pray for another. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, when he comes upon you, that's what praying in tongues is all about. I remember I was telling the story earlier in the early service. In, in, in late 1983 and into first part of 1984, God was dealing with me very strongly, dealing with my heart. And it was my birthday, January 29th, 1984. And I went to a birthday party that some friends of mine had thrown for me. And at that birthday party, they had, they, had, they had all kinds of alcohol. They had all kinds of drugs. They had all kinds of, you know, stuff. Go- and, and, I, and I partook freely. And it, none of it had any effect on me whatsoever. It did not. I, did, I walked in sober. I left sober. That happened to me all, January, all through February and into the first part of March where I got right with God. No drug, no matter how strong it was, no alcohol, no matter how potent it was, did anything to me. And I knew, I knew it was God. I knew it was God. I knew I was done. I would, my party lifestyle was over. I was 28 years old. I was, I was done. I was done. And about three months later, I'm up in West Columbia, Pastor B.B. Hankins Church, giving my testimony to the youth group. And there was an individual there, him and his wife, and he started to ask me, when was this stuff going on in your life? And I began to tell him, he said, at that time, the Holy Ghost was waking us up every night and we were praying for you. Well, people had been praying for me for 12 years with no results, they thought. Amen. And I ran into two more couples within the next year that were doing the same thing, interceding. You never know who you're praying for when you're praying. And if, listen, you say, now why is that important? I'm trying to get out of my own mess. Why should I be praying for others? Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. And if you will be an intercessor and begin to pray and allow the Holy Ghost to use you to pray, then in your day of crisis, there'll be people all over the world praying and interceding and praying for you as the Holy Ghost prompts them to do that. Part of our authority. Everybody, uh, uh, Comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate. How many know what an advocate is? It's somebody that stands up for you. Stands up for you. You know, we, we have these advocates, uh, you know, the, uh, some of them, they kind of, I don't know, you know, I thank God for good work that they do, but some of them are kind of crazy. You know, up in Houston, they got a guy, guy named Quan X. And everybody goes, ooh. But, you know, he'll go find the most down and out, abused, beat up person, and he'll stand up for them. Man, he'll go to the wall for them. Uh, That's what the Holy Ghost is for you. He's your advocate. He will stand up for you. It does not matter. He'll go to the wall for you. If you will not forsake him, he won't forsake you. And he'll stand up. I mean, in your financial situation, in your health situation, in every, he'll say, I'm your advocate. I'm here to plead your case. Oh, man, we could get into that. Everybody say advocate. How about this? Strengthener. Anybody ever need any strength? Supernatural strength. Come on, church. I mean, there are times in life you just need the Spirit of God to come. Have you ever asked the Spirit? Lord, I tell you, I need, you said let the weak say I'm strong. I say I'm strong, but I need some strength. Would you strengthen me by your Spirit? 
I mean, this devil's trying to beat me up. This demon power is trying to overcome me. All this stuff is arrayed against me. I need some strength in my life. And I guarantee if you'll call on the Spirit of God, He will strengthen you. We tell you story after story after story. We were beyond our own strength. And God would step in. And I remember how weak I felt when I walked into this building after the storm. And a lot of that we don't tell, but Leah, she really took a hit. She started, she started blaming herself. What did I do? Where did I miss it? What did I do? I mean, that's, I saw the devil getting all over her. And we were in a closet. in some people's home we were staying up in the mark. And I took Leah in my arms, and I said, honey, we're going to believe God for a miracle. You remember that? I said, we're going to believe God for an absolute. And I'm telling you, when we prayed that prayer in that closet, the Holy Ghost strengthened us. And we walked out of that closet with a resolve in us. Uh, some of you were there. We were in our, when, in our fall harvest conference. We had to have it up at the, at the convention center. And we had all this paperwork to apply for all this. And we took and tore it up in front of the church. And we said, in the name of Jesus, we're going to get a miracle from God. And we got a miracle from God. We we're right back in our church. Everything paid for by, by well, Easter Sunday. Back in our church on Easter. That was a miracle. But somebody had to be strengthened. And not only were we strengthened, God strengthened the entire church. Everyone came together. Everybody rallied together. God sent a ministry to help us feed people. I mean, we were so busy around here for months, and God put that strength upon this church. You say, why? Because the Holy Ghost is a strengthener. So the Holy Ghost is your comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Everybody say, standby. You say, what is a standby? Somebody that stands by. Amen. Somebody, sometimes you need a standby. Sometimes the only time we think about standby is somebody waiting to get on an airplane. Amen. But no, the Holy Ghost is your standby. He is always what? Standing by. For when you need supernatural help, for when you need something from the Lord, you need a word from God. I don't know how many times this used to amaze me. I, I would be wrestling with some situation or some problem and have been praying in the Spirit praying in other tongues. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like everything that I listened to, whether it came off of television or off of a, a tape or a CD or an eye, everything that I, it, it, it addressed that situation. And I'm telling you, sometimes it would address it through sermons that I had heard 20, 30, 40 times. And I would hear it and the, and the Holy Ghost as standby would step up and say, now look at it like this. And it would be revealed into my spirit. And faith would come, and I'd walk right out of that situation. Because he's always standing by for those who knows he is standing by. Now, now let me close with this. This will help you. My time's up. One of the greatest strategies of the devil is to make you feel isolated. That God is 1,000 miles away from you, 10,000 miles away from you, off on another planet somewhere doing something, don't even care about you. And that's one of the great how can I say this? That's one of the great baits that the enemy uses to try to get you to give up. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, there's no temptation taking you such as is common to man. But God is able. Everybody say, God is able. But God is able with every temptation to make a way of escape. Now, the greatest temptation in Christianity, it's not the temptation to go back and smoke crack. It's not the temptation to go back in some, into some promiscuous lifestyle. The biggest temptation that the enemy brings to the body of Christ is the temptation to just quit. And he'll get into your mind, he'll get into your, and he'll say, it ain't working. Look what the doctor's saying. It ain't working. Look at your bank account. It ain't, those people are crazy. Talking about speaking to mountains, speaking to giants, needing to hear your voice. Well, you know what's going on. You know what's happening. Go ahead and admit, you're a failure. You're defeated. You're not going to make it. I mean, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. But you've got to learn to resist that temptation. He said, have you ever been tempted to quit? Every Monday. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 see, anyone can quit. I love what Brother Osteen, you say, one of my favorite quotes from Brother John Osteen. Any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim up against the current. Amen. And it's true about the things of God. Any old dead religious knucklehead can just float downstream. But it takes someone of character, someone of faith, someone of resolve, someone with information from the Word of God to swim up against the current of life because it comes against us all. But the good news is God has equipped His children 
He has equipped his people with anointing, with power, with authority, with revelation from the word of God. And if we will just make our stands of faith and resist the devil, we will walk in the overwhelming victory already provided for us. Because we're not conquerors. We are more than conquerors. He's not enough. He's more than enough. And everything about God is excessive, even his authority that belongs to us. He didn't just put three stars. That's enough. I got some stars. I'll give them three. He gave more than could be numbered. He didn't just give five grains of sand. He gave more than, he's a God of excess and he excessively loves his children and has empowered them and has anointed them and has equipped them with the authority of the family in order to do kingdom business down here on the earth. So we just got to make a decision. There's some things we just ain't going to let happen. Amen. Now, there's always the, yeah, but what if? Listen, the what ifs of life are the things that are of doubt that will steal your faith. I can't explain why everything happens the way it does. We prayed storms off this island for years. We prayed storms off other places we've ministered for years. Why did a storm hit in 2008? I don't know. All I know is this. We recovered supernaturally. Well, why did I get this disease? Or why did I have this financial? I don't know, but I know this. You can recover supernaturally. All I know is that there are things that are in the hands of God. The Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord. But the good news is, is I have revealed or that, that, that which is revealed belongs to my servants forever. Amen. So we're going to live on that which is revealed. And we're going to let the secret things just be God's. Amen. Amen. You learned something today? Amen. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. That the entrance of your word, it brings light and life to us. That forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409 409- 770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith